In the last few months, I have come to realize more and more how important it is that we start with the scriptures when we are thinking about God. Most of us, myself included, start with something else. Maybe we start with the catechism or what we learned in Catholic school. Maybe we start with popular spirituality or with our political dispositions. Maybe we start with some image of God or Jesus that we are really attracted to. And then, for most of us, we find those portions of Scripture that support our starting point. But, But this is backwards. The Scriptures preserve, in a profound way, those times when God reached down from heaven and touched history. Sometimes miraculously, sometimes through prophets, and eventually, most powerfully, through his incarnation. If we want to know who God actually is, we need to start with these events and these moments, because they are the raw data from which we are left to draw our many conclusions. Our other influences are certainly important, but only because we need help interpreting the original data. Instead, it is essential that we start with the actual inspired Word of God, and only then try to interpret it. The problem, of course, is that when we start with the Scriptures, God surprises and challenges us. Today, for example, it becomes clear that God is not afraid of suffering, either his own suffering or even his people's suffering. The first reading talks about blessing a faithful servant through his suffering. The second reading talks about Jesus' sympathizing with but not actually removing our sufferings. And in the Gospel, we see Jesus telling his disciples that they will have to suffer without ever actually promising them the rewards that they thought would come with this suffering. No, the more we read Scripture, the more we realize that God never once promised his followers that they would be free of suffering. In fact, Jesus often tells his disciples that they will have to suffer more because they have chosen to follow him. And yet, what do we pray to God about the most? Suffering. We ask to be free of physical suffering from illness or poverty, to be free of emotional suffering from family problems or difficult situations, to be free of spiritual suffering from dry prayer or doubts about faith. We are continually asking God for something that he never actually promised us. This is not to say that we should not pray about these things. We certainly should. Above all else, God wants our hearts, and so we should always bring him whatever is on our heart. He wants to know He wants to be with us and walk with us and comfort us. But this doesn't mean that in every case he is going to remove our suffering. 
Why? Why does God let us suffer? He didn't plan on suffering. He did not create the world with suffering. Suffering was introduced when we upended creation with our first sin. So why does God not recreate the world? Or why does God not remove suffering from the world we find ourselves in? The best answer that our Catholic faith has come up with is that suffering comes from two places. First, suffering comes from people. When we sin against each other, when we create unjust systems, when we choose to be selfish rather than charitable, we create suffering. God could override our decisions, but that would override our free will. And without free will, we cannot choose to love, and we cannot choose to be faithful. God seems to believe that preserving free will is worth the suffering. Second, suffering comes from natural processes, like disease and hurricanes. God could miraculously heal every disease and reroute every hurricane, but then the world would not make sense. Science depends on observing cause and effect. So if God reversed every natural effect, then the world would appear to be random. We would have no cause and effect, no science, no technology, no modern medicine. It seems that God values a world that makes sense over a world without suffering. And yet, even if we can begin to explain why God does not remove suffering, it still feels unsettling that God would allow it. The idea still challenges us. My brothers and sisters in Christ, the God of the Scriptures does not promise us a life without suffering. But He does promise us, over and over and over again, that He will bring us salvation. And he makes it very clear that this salvation comes from following him and being united to him. God's goal, more than anything else, is to call us into a deep and profound relationship. A deep and profound unity with himself. Now, imagine that you are God, and your people find themselves in an imperfect world full of suffering. You could remove suffering with all the damage to free will and science that we mentioned before. But this does not actually bring your people any closer to salvation. It just makes them more comfortable. Your goal, remember, is not the comfort of your people, but their salvation. So what do you do instead? Instead, you choose to suffer alongside your people. Rather than remove suffering, you make suffering itself salvific. And this is exactly what God did. 
He took upon himself a human body, and he suffered and died on the cross, so that he could unite himself to our sufferings. Listen again to our reading from Hebrews. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. Before Jesus came, suffering was meaningless. It was a byproduct of sin that only caused pain and sadness. But now that God himself has suffered, suffering has become a way in which we can unite ourselves to God. Now, when we experience suffering, we are automatically brought closer to Jesus on the cross. Suffering, that great enemy, has been turned to God's purposes and has been forced to serve God's ultimate goal of salvation. Listen again to our first reading. It says, Because of his affliction, he shall see the light in fullness of days. Through his suffering, my servant shall justify many and their guilt he shall bear. Yes, this reading is talking about Jesus, but it is also talking about us. If suffering brings us closer to the cross of Christ, and it does, and if the cross of Christ is the source of all salvation, and it is, then our suffering actually helps to save people. Jesus has willed that when we participate in his suffering, we also participate in his saving work. It is so important that when we suffer, we pray for others by name, because our suffering will contribute to the salvation of those for whom we pray. And so, my friends... If you find yourself suffering in any way, physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually, I want you to know only one thing. Jesus is so incredibly close to you in your suffering. Jesus went to the cross specifically so that he could be with you right now as you suffer. Your suffering can have a purpose if you unite it to Jesus on the cross. And that purpose is the salvation of the world. Go to Jesus, bring him your pain, and he will use it to save you and everyone you love. Suffering, however difficult, will fade away. But our closest to Jesus, that will last for eternity.